Scott Street Emmy Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, over the next few weeks as we approach Easter, we'll be looking at the various crosses that Jesus had to bear as he approached Calvary. Today, we're going to be looking at the cross of temptation. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at the cross of suffering, the cross of passion, the cross of salvation, commitment, and rejection. And so the main point that we'll be looking at, because this being the first Sunday of Lent, says when we understand the nature of temptation, we can fully appreciate and share what Christ went through in his sufferings. Now, Lent season begins on Ash Wednesday, which is later this week, and culminates with the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday morning. It's uh, usually a season where it's very introspective, very penitential, when we prepare the life of the Christian and heighten our awareness of the suffering that Jesus went through, his death on the cross, the Easter celebration, and the, the victory of Christ over sin and death. So that's what we approach as we're looking at Easter. In the season of Lent, we have an opportunity to experience what it meant to be a follower of Christ as we then take up our cross and follow him. Jesus said to his disciples, if uh, any of you wants to be my follower, he said in Matthew, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross, and follow me. Now, if there's a key verse that uh, Pastor Rob and I want to look at over the next few weeks as we look at the crosses of Christ, it would be this one found in Philippians. I want to know Christ and experience the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, becoming like him in death and to somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. So this morning, as we're looking at the cross of temptation, I want to let you know that temptation and the testing of our faith is very real. There's a reason why Lydia didn't put the chocolate right here. Temptation was real in the life of Christ, and it's real in our lives as well. We don't have to look very far to come to that truth. We may joke about it, but in reality, it is very serious. And it may be thought of one of the crosses that we have to, to bear. And it certainly is one of the crosses that Jesus bore. The temptations and the testings were real. Everything that the devil threw at Jesus, it hit home. Speaking of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible says that this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same temptations as we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help when we need it. See, there's nothing that you and I can go through that Jesus doesn't understand. I want you to understand that he knows what you're going through. There's not one temptation you can face that he didn't experience. There's not one sin that you can commit 
that he doesn't know what it feels like because when he hung on the cross and he took the weight of the world on his shoulders, he experienced what every sin had. He knows and he cares. He identifies with us in every aspect of our humanity. And so now we can identify with him in his humanity as being fully God and fully man. And one of the ways we know Christ is through knowing and identify what he went through. Now I want to let you know right off the beginning, it's not a sin to be tempted. Sin enters when we yield to the temptation. Do you agree with that? It's not a sin to be tempted, but sin enters when we yield to that temptation. So I want to unpack a series of principles relating to temptation and testing. And the first principle is that temptation will strike at the most opportune time. In the life of Jesus, he had just gone through an experience where he's being baptized and the heavens open up and the voice of God Almighty is heard and it says, this is my beloved son and I'm fully pleased with him. It says, then Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted there by the devil. Now you've heard the phrase that we need to strike when the iron is hot. What's that mean? Well, it's a reference to the old blacksmith when he would take a piece of metal and he would heat it up until it became uh, red hot or white hot. That time, the metal became soft and he was able to take his hammer on the anvil and begin to shape that piece of metal into the shape that he wanted it to be. If it got cooled down, it would not bend. So he'd have to put it back in the fire and he'd bring it out and he would strike when the metal was hot so that the metal would be shaped. Come to think of it, that's how God shapes our lives too in the furnace of affliction. He does that. Now if you tried to shape the metal when it wasn't hot, you would either get no results or you'd break it. And so in like manner, the enemy took an opportune time and he struck when the metal was hot in the life of Jesus. That was his opportune time. You see, Jesus was both riding high from the, the heavens being opened and his father publicly endorsing him. I mean, that, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Can you? Where the heavens open and God says, you know, hey, Tim, you're my son and I love you. Can you imagine that? See, there's two Tims right here, so I'm looking at both of them. I mean, I, I would just be flying. I, I would be so high. He said, oh, God loves me. <laughs> but then he was also at one of his lowest points because he'd been fasting for 40 days. And temptation and testing often come off the coattails of a good times. It often catches us off guard. And one of the easiest times to fall prey is actually right after a great spiritual victory because we let our defenses down. So temptation will strike at an opportune time. As we said, Jesus was both riding high and he was also very weak because he had been fasting for 40 days. So, first principle 
is that the temptation will strike us at, a, at an opportune time. Second is it will strike at our areas of vulnerability, the areas where we are the weakest. Now, there's three areas that Scripture talks about as sources of temptation. It talks about the lust of the flesh. That's something to do. The lust of the eyes. That's something we want to have. And the pride of life. That is something we want to be. <clears throat> you say, well, where do we get this? Well, we get it from the Word of God. In 1 John chapter 2, it says, Stop loving this evil world and all that it offers you. For when you love the world, you show that you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only the lust of the flesh or pleasure, the lust of the eyes or possessions, and the pride of life or power. These are not from the Father, these are from the evil world. My wife and I like to watch the Toronto Raptors play. We really got into it last year when they were having an amazing year. And even this year, they're actually ahead of last year's pace. But seldom does a game go by when you don't hear of somebody on that team of the first string that is out with an injury. And they have to put in a replacement player. So what does the opposite team do? They try to strike at that other player. Now, fortunately, with the Raptors, the second players are almost as good as the first players, and they're doing really well. But what about us? <sighs> Satan tried to do this with Jesus, and that's what he does with us as well. Our areas of vulnerability are weak points. And the first area of vulnerability mentioned in 1 John illustrates the experience of Jesus. It's a temptation to do something for themselves. We're tempted to do something? Okay, think pleasure. So for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus ate nothing, became very hungry. Then the devil came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, See that little subtlety there? If you are the Son of God. Change these stones into the loaves of bread. But Jesus said to him, no. See, it's important to know that this was very real. It was a real deal for Jesus. He had not eaten for 40 days. He was hungry. He could have used his power to feed himself. In fact, it is so mighty that he could have made bread for the whole world. Jesus could have said, follow me and I will, I will see that you have every pleasure that you want. A few years ago, I was leading a youth group in a 24-hour famine in support of world hunger. And as part of that event, we held a, a short prayer walk through the downtown area of the town we lived in. I found out later that two of the boys that were lagging behind stopped at the chip wagon and bought french fries. I said, why'd you do that? We were hungry. I said, you're supposed to be hungry. It's a famine. One of those boys was my son. 
Remember how teenagers eat? 24 hours without food is an eternity. Remember, I was a teenager. One of my favorite things to do, I, I traveled in music, so I was gone for months at a time, but I'd come home. And I just opened the fridge door and look. And mom says, What are you looking for? I says, Nothing, I'm just looking. <laughs> it was all good. See, resisting temptation isn't easy. There's a story of a young delivery boy who delivered groceries for a small town grocery store. And sometimes a bag of chips or cookies would, would pop open and for some reason, and, and he would have to eat them, but you know, save the damaged bag for the vendor to pick up. So you can imagine if a little boy was there shopping with his mother and comes across this, this bag of cookies that's been opened and sitting on the shelf, and he's holding this box of cookies, this bag of cookies in his hands, and the store manager comes up to him. He says, well, son, what are you up to? The boy shuffles his feet and says, nothing. The owner says, nothing. It looks like you're up to trying to take a cookie. And the boy says, you're wrong, sir. I'm trying not to take a cookie. See, there's absolutely nothing wrong with eating some, some bread or some cookie or some chocolates after lunch. I've come to realize that since cocoa is a bean, beans are vegetables, chocolate, therefore, must be a vegetable. See, there's nothing wrong with some of the nat natural inclinations we have in life. There's nothing wrong with being satisfied. It's what you do in order to become satisfied that can be the problem. Sometimes you have to try hard not to take the cookie. For Jesus, it was a matter of compromising with regard to the voice he wished to obey. Jesus understands what it's like to be enticed or lured or baited by the devil to compromise your beliefs or standards. So primarily, it's about what we are willing to do and the compromises we are willing to make in order to satisfy our physical bodies. First area. The second area is to be tempted to desire to be someone, to think power. It says that the devil took him to the highest point of the temple and says, if you are the son of God, jump off. But Jesus responded, do not put the Lord your God to the test. A man by the name of Phil Lindberger said, we all want to be great, but we don't want folks to know that we want to be great. We all want to be great. We just don't want people to think we want to be great. Once again, Satan appealed to Jesus' newfound identity as the one and only great Son of God. And this time, he did not appeal to the Son of God's ability to satisfy his own needs and, and those of the world. He appealed to his pride. What Satan was asking Jesus to do was something so mind-boggling and sensational that everyone would be absolutely amazed by it. Everyone would know without a doubt that Jesus was the Son of God for sure when the angels swooped down from heavens and saved him from, from splattering himself all over the courtyard. 
Satan's appeal was to do something really sensational that would get Jesus a boatload of self-serving media attention. Now there's a, there's a car commercial on TV these days. And it features the development stages of a young man. It says, first we see him about to buy his first bicycle. And he asks the kid selling the bike, is it fast? And the kid says, it has 10 speeds. He's a bit older, about to purchase <coughs> a motorized scooter. And he asks, is it fast? And the kid says, it's got a lightning bolt on it, doesn't it? Next, we see him as a teenager shopping for his, his first car. He's in the used car lot looking at a beat-up and blown-out old muscle car, and he asks the salesman, is it fast? The salesman says, oh, it's fast. I don't even know if this thing is street legal. And in the last frame, the young man is a young father and looking at a new car, and he asks, is it safe? And the salesperson says, oh, yeah, it's a Volkswagen. For those who don't know, we have a Volkswagen, <laughs> and we love it. You see, in each case, the person selling knew what buttons to push. First, it was the need for speed, and then it was the need for safety. Excuse me. And Satan, like the salesman, knew what buttons to push in order to make a sale. Being recognized as the Son of God was not a bad thing, but doing something twisted to get that recognition is what is suspect in this. We cannot do something bad in order to accomplish something good. Jesus was not going to compromise the convictions or the will of God in order to prove to the world that he was the son of God because the end does not justify the means. See, there's nothing wrong with being someone of importance. Somebody has to. It's what you are willing to do to be important that matters. Is it worth the cost? So the wise Christian knows that sometimes Satan pushes a pleasure button to satisfy a desire to do, and sometimes Satan pushes a power button in order to satisfy our desire to be, and then sometimes he pushes the button to satisfy our desire to have. Third area of vulnerability is the desire for possessions. <clears throat> Scripture says, The next the devil took Jesus to the peak of a high mountain, Showed him the nations of the world in all their glory. I'll give it to you, he said. If you only just, just kneel down and, and worship me. But Jesus says, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God, serve only him. This is an interesting temptation. Because the temptation designed to get Jesus to worship Satan in order to have rule over all the kingdoms of the world. See, the Bible says Jesus created everything that was created. We see that in John chapter 1. 
Since all things were made by him, without him nothing was made that was made. He made it all. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It already belongs to him. So why would Jesus make that kind of compromise? Why would Jesus, uh, so to speak, surrender his title in order to be given it back again? Well, the verse, there's a verse in Matthew that just pushes hard into every one of our hearts. And it says in Matthew 16, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What's that mean? How many people are bartering or trading or using their own soul for temporary pleasures and possessions that this world has to give? Up front, it may look like a good trade, but looking back, it wasn't worth it. Hebrews says that Moses was willing to suffer the, the afflictions with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Choosing something greater, saying no to what is temporary and saying yes to what is eternal. Satan was pushing the possession button. But can you imagine how wonderful our world would be today if we, if we didn't have to wait for the rapture, if we didn't have to wait for Christ to come as king? Can you imagine what Jesus would have done with all the wealth that's been pumped out of the ground? Can you imagine what the world would be like today if the love of Christ permeated the Middle East culture today? And when Jesus stood on that high mountain with the devil and the devil offered him a shortcut to his kingdom... In our minds, we think that had to be somewhat tempting, especially if it meant skipping the dying on the cross part. I think materialism is a, a problem in our country and the world. I've read that among young adults, 61% have no concerns about materialism or mass consumerism. 30% have concerns but have made no adjustments in their personal lifestyles while the remaining 9% are actually taking steps to live more simply. Having a conviction without any steps to achieve that is merely an idea. It's not a way of life. See, shopping and buying and consuming seems to be in our blood. And owning something nicer and things is a natural part of the purpose of life. This was said by Christian Smith in the article Lost in Transition. So if Canadians have an idol, I would say that it is probably materialism. The desire to have things is powerful in our culture. And to that, Jesus says, you must worship only the Lord your God and serve him. You see, there's nothing wrong with being successful and having things, please. But it's the desire that takes over more than anything else 
the opportunity for sin to enter. So when it came to, to temptation, Jesus refused to compromise. And compromising begins so subtly, before you realize it, it has taken you where you never expected you would be. It's called the slippery slope. This little story. Maybe you've heard it. One night, a Bedouin was crossing the desert with his camel, made camp for the night. In the middle of the night, the camel stuck his head into the tent and says, it's really cold out here. Would you mind if I slipped my legs into the tent to keep warm? The driver agreed. A bit later, the camel woke him and asked, would you mind if I just slipped my head inside the tent too? The driver agreed, and in the middle of the night, he woke up, found that the entire camel had moved into the tent. There was simply not enough room for the both of them. So the driver said to the camel, there's not room in here for the both of us. And the camel says, perhaps you might want to leave. How does that fit? When we let the first area of compromise into our life, it might not seem so drastic, but if it opens the door to another and to another, what you find out happening is you are not the master of it. It becomes the master of you. And that's why Jesus said, worship only God. When we let the desire to do in order to satisfy an appetite for pleasure or we let the desire to be in order to satisfy our need to power, or we let the desire to have in order to satisfy our need for possessions, we've let the camel, camel inch his way into our lives. And just as it was Satan's goal to push God out of Jesus' life, Satan tries to move into our lives and hoping that maybe we'll, Jesus will get forced out. It's a subtle process. We have to be resolute in our refusal to let that camel in. And as we look at Scripture, we see Jesus' response. When he heard the third temptation, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And maybe that can be a catchphrase with us today as we make our way with Jesus through the Lenten season. Our, the phrase, get out of here, Satan. You're not the boss of me. You must worship the Lord your God. Well, it says, then the devil went away and the angels came and cared for Jesus. But if you see it in Luke, it says, he left until a more opportune time. That's where we started. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we understand the temptations that you experienced were real and powerful. 
And we realize that you resisted as an example to us how we also resist temptation. So help us to see the entire picture. Help us to see that the compromises of this present world are not worth the price we have to pay. And even, Jesus, as you relied on the power of the Word of God and the Spirit of God, may we also come against the temptation in the power and the Word of God. Give us strength to see things as they are. Give us strength to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. And the Lord, the reason we can do that is because of what we are just about to celebrate because of your death and your resurrection, the Holy Spirit was able to come and dwell within each of us. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.